0: 2021 felt like a year of more extreme vascular occlusions to me. When I first started studying complications in aesthetics, it felt like lip vascular occlusions dominated. As serious as any VO is, a lip VO is probably the easiest. They are usually diagnosed quickly because lips are pink, the volumes are relatively small and easy to assess and treat, and more often they are isolated only to the lip. 2021 did feel very different. I'm seeing bigger vascular occlusions in more unusual places which are harder to diagnose and treat. What have I learned from another year of vascular occlusions in my network? That's what I'll be sharing with you today on the Aesthetics Mastery Show. Before we dive in if you're looking forward to learning a whole lot more with me in 2022 please give this video a like. So are vascular occlusions getting worse and more atypical? Well, the vascular occlusions I see might be only the more challenging ones as more practitioners are independently resolving simple vascular occlusions or we could be dealing with a shift in a risk across the entire sector. I believe the natural drift as we attempt to be medically more holistic or sadly commercially simply sell more volume in package type deals, we end up doing larger volumes far more midline injections with multiple areas treated at the same time. So I think we're likely to see much more complex vascular occlusions naturally as more of these treatments take place every day. So how is this making things more dangerous? High volumes per injection point make more complex vascular occlusions. They affect deeper structures in the face. And this is particularly true in the chin and jawline vascular occlusions we saw last year with disruptive blood flow initially diagnosed locally in the chin and then found to be affecting blood flow all the way into the neck in a patchy way with areas of disruption alongside areas of normal blood flow. When multiple areas are injected, it can also make it harder to identify the primary locus of a blockage, making it difficult to target with the same level of certainty. One of the strangest VOs I saw last year presented with blood flow disruption across the whole face, from the forehead to the oral commissure on both sides of the face. As the treatment had involved injections in multiple areas, it took some time to figure out where to target a limited supply of hyaluronidase. If only one area had been treated, it would have made targeting much easier. Next, I think injectors are treating more risky areas more routinely and more aggressively. Noses especially featured in many of the complex cases I saw last year. It was at one point, maybe two to five years ago, quite rare to treat noses, but has now become the norm. I can't help thinking the simplistic view of this procedure on social media adds to the relaxed attitude and to aggressive transformations where the aesthetic goal is prioritised perhaps a little bit more than safety in some cases. They do make fantastic Instagrammable before and afters but higher volume procedures which get great immediate results unfortunately risk something akin to compartment syndrome if tissue pressure is increased too much. Persistent redness and even necrosis in some cases can occur. The nose in all ways is more risky. There is limited space, many midline vessels and of course connections to the ophthalmic artery through the dorsal nasal artery and the supertrochlea, but also a complex inner structure which can be injured with both pressure from the filler, hematomas and vascular injection. Finally, I noticed a growing perception that patients need to be moved to experts if they were to have a VO. This is appropriate at times but I worry it's an unreliable system as nobody is on call 24 hours and often the more clinicians are involved the more chaos ensues even between experienced clinicians. There have now been cases in the UK where supporting clinicians in support networks have ended up critiquing the original practitioner and trying to poach the clients, causing more uncertainty for the patient. Patients transported hundreds of miles to someone with an ultrasound who doesn't know yet how to use it, all the while causing delays in what may not even be a complex vascular occlusion. So, what do we need to be safer in 2022? First, we need to change our attitudes to support in emergency situations. Now, in the UK, we still have a dangerous situation. If you are a non-medic in an emergency, putting the politics aside, you must get your prescriber to agree to support you with a VO. If they are prescribing the Hyalase, they are essentially responsible for how it is used. They essentially should act as a medical director in medical emergencies. They will also be able to get medical advice from an expert in complications more easily because they are managing the patient from a medical perspective. If they do take your money for prescribing and then don't help you with the VO, I hope your patient sues them too and not just you. It's worth understanding that as a doctor, I would endeavour to help any patient if I was able, but I cannot make decisions for any injector, let alone someone with no medical qualifications. So the patient would become my sole responsibility, which is not possible to do safely if you're not in the same room. So if you want medical support in the case of a medical emergency, you should plan for that before you get the vascular occlusion. Agree with your prescriber that they will guide you through or you are not prepared. The next error that I see is to see that a vascular occlusion rescue is a simple series of steps rather than an algorithm. I've realized that there are some injectors who hope that managing a VO is about executing a standard protocol. That is a step-by-step approach with the same sequence and dose which will give a desired outcome in each case. This might actually work quite well in a very simple vascular occlusion in a lip. But the more complex a vascular occlusion gets, the less reliable this approach will be. It will end in a percentage of cases getting a worse outcome because a protocol is not responsive to the many variables we need to manage. An algorithmic approach includes an if-then-that approach so that the rescue procedure is dynamic, altering the approach to what is seen in front of the clinician. Most importantly, I believe that due to the complexity and varieties of vascular occlusion, we should treat to an end result, not to an end dose. In most cases, this is a restoration of capillary refill. I know not everyone will agree with this, but in my mind, there are too many unknowns to trust that a given dose will have a given result in every vascular occlusion. Now, before we even get to starting a rescue protocol, I learned from many of the cases last year that it's important to do regular and thorough assessments along the way. Don't go straight into reversal and don't assume your first assessment is complete. As soon as you identify a vascular occlusion, you should start to think anatomically about areas that may be affected and assess repeatedly during the rescue. In order to do the assessment, you need to know your anatomy and think both wide and deep. There are two cases I was involved in this year of a necrotic nasal septum. Dr. Amy, my colleague at Skin Beaver Training, helped a patient who attended with a painful nose, breathing difficulties and normal capillary refill after a non-surgical rhinoplasty. In this case, it illustrated why I think we need to understand the three dimensions of the nose when assessing. It's not just the surface of the skin we need to look at. So depending on the procedure, check inside the nose, the gingiva, the gums, the tongue, soft and the hard palate. There were three cases of complex VOs in the chin, which also affected areas of the neck and lip, illustrating the need to think more widely about the areas which may be connected to the original site of vascular occlusion. Something else I learned last year which is useful in complex vascular occlusions is to do a full face CRT test. So that's the capillary refill test, but using both hands to compress both sides of the face as firmly as is comfortable and then release and watch the blood flow and you'll see that often there is an area of isolated blood flow that is slower than other areas. This is certainly what I saw in that case and it gave us clarity about where to target our efforts and where to use the ultrasound scanner in more detail. So doing this early in a vascular occlusion can reveal the scale of the problem sooner giving you more time to prepare and plan for the rest of the rescue. In this case I also learned that ultrasounds are useful but they are not a panacea in my humble opinion. I've now used my clarius in a vascular occlusion situation and it was reassuring, but the area of blockage was not easy to find. There appeared to be patent vessels everywhere, yet severe mottled appearance and capillary refill of 5 seconds in most areas. The capillary refill test showed us much more clearly and quickly where we needed to focus, as relative blood flow was easier to assess. The ultrasound, at least in my relatively inexperienced hands, did not inform the exact location to inject in this case. By the way, the patient made a rapid and complete recovery with no signs of skin breakdown. Finally, one of the ideas I've thought about much more this year has been massage in the case of vascular occlusion. This started when I tried that experiment with hyalase and filler in a Petri dish. I could not see the filler well in the saline and hyalase mixed, so I added some food coloring. This revealed to me how slow the process appeared to be. Naturally, I started aiding the process by mechanically mixing and increasing the surface area that the enzyme could work on. I'll tell you a funny story which made this concept stick forever. I have a five-year-old son with a passion for huge amounts of toilet paper when he goes to the toilet. He blocked my studio toilet so badly that I had to go to extreme lengths to solve it. I started, as we do, with the VO, with chemical means. I poured copious amounts of dissolving chemicals into the system with no effect. Eventually I called a plumber who arrived with a huge machine which mechanically thrashed out the blockage. And it really got me thinking about how important the mechanical pressure may be in allowing blood flow to flow again. Increasing the surface area of the hyalase can act... <laughs> Sorry, it's just that situation made you think about that. It's just... <laughs> Sorry, my brain works. Sorry. And it really got me thinking about how important the mechanical pressure may be in allowing blood flow to flow again increasing the surface area that the high can act on and possibly alleviating pressure in those types of occlusions. So these are my key reflections from the last year of vascular occlusions. I hope they help you reflect too and hope you keep getting safer in 2022. Let me know what you think down below. Don't forget to like and subscribe.